It's go time, Jags fans. The Teal and Black Blitz is on the air with Mark Long of the Associated Press and Phil Heilman of the Florida Times Union. Mark and Phil are about to dive headfirst into the huddle and take you deeper inside the Jags locker room than any other show in Duval. You can be part of the show by calling 448-0930. That's 448-0930. Or by hitting the guys up on Twitter at APMarkLong and at Philip underscore Heilman. And now, here are your hosts of the Teal and Black Blitz, Mark Long and Phil Heilman on the game. What's up, Jacksonville? Happy <laughs> Halloween. Yes, happy Halloween and happy bye week. Happy bye week. Uh, it's good to go into a weekend knowing that you're not going to have to watch the Jacksonville Jaguars play football. That really is the treat. That's the beginning to the holiday season. That's the reason for the season right now. It's been rough. It's been rough a uh, lot. Good show you. coming up. Uh, Ryan O'Halloran from the Denver Post coming up at the bottom of the first hour. Former Jags beat writer too. Ryan O, gonna so, break it down for us. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of action at the NFL trade deadline, including this team. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, second hour, a little bit of first hour, a little second hour. We'll do uh, our midseason grades for the Jaguars, which uh, that's not gonna be pretty. Awful with three Fs. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's football. only three. I well, I guess offense, offense defense, defense, special teams, teams, coaching. I'll give four, four Fs. Fs. Yeah, yeah. Which you? I mean, we'll get to it later. But really, an F for the coaching. Yeah, it, yeah. Oof. Front office F. I wish there were a grade lower than an F to give to the front office. It's been. Yeah. I mean, it really has been. Owner F. Why well, would? Yeah, you don't hear from him. You don't I mean, hear from him, and they're you know amid you don't hear from him amid rumors that uh, you know rumors and talk that he's. Moving the team, you know, he's got a former employee out there. You think if you really want to squash those things, come out, come be aggressive, be show that you're upset. Don't don't release a statement. If you want to voice your displeasure with what's going on, the the tenor, the the talk, the rumors, this that and the other, think think step forward and uh, and and show your face and stand up and scream from the mountaintops that this is all wrong. So I've- anyway, they all get F's. I've seen more of Michael Myers watching Halloween reruns this month than I've seen of Shad Khan since the season started. I've seen is, more of Marquise Lee than Shad Khan since the season started. Yeah, I mean that's what two or three times. <laughs> I've seen him days. once. <laughs> <I've> seen <laughs> <him>. <laughs> uh, what do you make of uh, what do you make of the move the Jaguars uh, made today? Obviously, yesterday they traded Dante Fowler to the Los Angeles Rams for a couple of draft picks today. Six tears for six. Yeah. Good guy. Maybe we'll maybe we'll have him on later in the year. Maybe once he gets adjusted to life in LA, big city life. We gotta find out when the Rams bye week is and he'll be back in St. Pete. I think it's week ten. I, I think late. they're week oh week eleven. I think they're to week eleven. So two weeks from now. We'll get try to get him on for the bye week to talk about LA and maybe he'll be home. He's gotta come back here. They play at New Orleans week this week. Week twelve, okay. They play at New Orleans. So they got a couple games and then he's gotta come back here and get all his stuff. I mean, or I mean maybe sets sets maybe they set that up to to move his stuff out there while he's out there, but uh, they've got a tough schedule coming up at New Orleans, uh, and then home for Seattle and home for Kansas City. So uh, Dante Fowler, get your uh, get your boots strapped up and get ready to go. Uh, but anyways, what? And maybe he'll get Mahomes this, this week. Yeah, Landry Jones, the Jaguars signed him today to be their third team quarterback. A guy, you know, 
not a whole lot on 19 games, five starts. So sort of, you know, just to me, just another guy, you know, sort of doesn't really get me excited. I would have rather them maybe done something else with that roster spot. What about you? Yeah, I mean, 64 quarterbacks in this league, maybe 66, 68, when you factor in the the teams that are carrying three. And Larendrew Jones is not one of them. So that tells you everything you need to know about, you know, where people what people in the, around the league think of, of Landry Jones, who came out, I think it was a fourth-round pick in 2013, the year before Blake Bortles, fourth-rounder out of Oklahoma, uh, system quarterback, doesn't have the big arm, doesn't have the big size, uh, just a guy. And, uh, you know, I think it's it's exactly what they, it's exactly what the Jags said it was. You, you, you know, if you want to get into conspiracy theories, we can get into those. But to me, I, I think love conspiracy I, I think it's you know they they got out of London. They knew Blake had gotten hit. They don't know how bad it is until he comes back and gets some tests on his left non-throwing shoulder. They they you know they get the results and they go okay, this is worse than we thought. It's probably you know whatever grade sprain it is, and which would also be their reaction to the entire season of Blake Bortles, <laughs> worse so, than we thought. And so you uh, you you're like okay, we don't we just don't know. So let's get another guy in here. He can get some reps on Wednesday, and you know at least digest the start digesting the offense. Maybe you keep him here while everybody else gets cut loose. You keep Landry Jones here, and you go through. You know, you keep him and you go through the playbook and whatnot, and you got your you got yourself a chance. And it wasn't like, you know, if you if you again you go back to if you believe the team, it wasn't like Landry Jones came out of nowhere. They they worked him out before they went to London, and so he's a guy who's kind of been on their radar as some as a potential for down the road. Uh, you know, and who knows? May, maybe it says something about what they thought of Cody Kessler against uh, what team was that before the bye week? Houston. Houston against Houston, where Cody Kessler came in, was sacked four times, threw an interception that was off, fumbled. yelled into hands, and he fumbled. They, they got it back, but maybe they looked at Cody Kessler and they went, you know, this isn't the option we want either. So you know, who knows? Uh, once again, you go, you know, you don't you don't hear from anybody, coach, GM, Tom Coughlin, in terms of why were they traded Dante Fowler, why they signed. Uh, you know Landry Jones, and you're just you're sitting there guessing. But the reality is, we know that Blake Bortles is hurt to what degree, and enough enough that they're concerned going forward. Um, I'll be interested when we talk to Ryan to hear what he says about what you just said, and that there is no voice coming out of the Jaguars organization right now explaining their plan in any way, whether it be Bortles and signing a quarterback, whether it be Fowler and trading him to Los Angeles, whether it be the four-game losing streak, anything. There's no voice aside from Doug Marone just talking about. But from from the leadership perspective, you look in Denver and John Elliott comes out and explains exactly why yesterday they traded Demarius Thomas. He goes through it. I, I saw the transcript. It had to have been 15 minutes of conversation letting people know the plan. And, and to me, even if you have the wrong plan, at least you have a plan. And right now, it, it you can't say that the Jaguars have a plan because you haven't heard it. They, right. they don't tell you. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't. Sure as heck on the field doesn't look like they have any sort of plan. I don't know. I think it's just been, it's been obviously an awful month on the field. But I also just, you know, I sort of question, you know, what what is this franchise doing in terms of leadership? Who is calling the shots? Who is answering, you know, the questions? And so far, right now, it's it's Doug Marone sort of being left a flap in the wind. And what if you know we talked about the conspiracy theories? Well, the, the number one conspiracy theory is this is the first step. 
for the Jags moving away from Blake Bortles. You create an injury or he's injured, but you make it sound worse than it is. You bring in a third quarterback, and all of a sudden Cody Kessler's starting at Indianapolis. Blake Bortles is inactive, and you're moving forward. Uh, any do you do you believe that? Do you buy that? Would you put it past the Jags to do something like that at this point in the season? I I want to say no. I wouldn't put it past them, but they've just shown such a commitment to Bortles, like <laughs> just an unfailing commitment to a guy who's constantly uh, failed a lot. I mean, he's obviously led them to the AFC title game last year, but you know, going back to the 2017 preseason, a nine day competition. It wasn't really even a competition. Bortles gets his job back over Chad Henney. Earlier this month, Doug Marone says the competition's open. The next day, he renames him the starter again. You know, they keep giving him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I think they're going to keep going. I, I, my thought would be that they're going to continue to go with him until the end of the season. Uh, I think at this point, he's probably played himself out of Jacksonville. I think they're going to have to do some sort of, you know, salary cap gymnastics to move on from him after the season. But I don't think... Uh, I don't think you'll see Landry Jones or Cody Kessler making a lot of starts, especially not at this point where, you know, you they probably think they're still going to make the playoffs. They still think they've got a chance to win this division. I think that's laughable right now, but they probably don't feel that way. No, they don't. They 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 do, they do think that Leonard Fournette uh, and DJ Hayden, for that matter, they think both of those guys are, are big-time additions. They think DJ Hayden's a big upgrade from what they've got at uh, Nickel Corner and obviously with A.J. Boye's health Long the long-term health of A.J. Boye, you just don't know how long he's going to be out. You're guessing at least a, a few more games, so maybe he, Hayden comes in and, and slides out to the outside there, and you put Herndon in the slot as your cornerback, but uh, Leonard's the big one. They they do believe that Leonard Fournette changes who they are offense, what they what they do offensively, what they're able to do offensively, and again, I'm with you. I think it's got your head in your sand because no matter who you got back there, the holes aren't there. You got three offensive linemen returning. You got uh, you got a you brought in an All Pro left guard, and you you can't run the ball with anybody. You couldn't really run pathetic it. Pathetic in the with, locker room. He has literally no accountability. He has brought a bad mood to you know a, a bad sort oh, of Norwell. vibe. Norwell. He's been. I have cannot believe how embarrassingly he has acted. I know fans don't get to see it, but interacting with them, I've got no reason to dislike the guy or like him one way or the other. There are plenty of guys in the locker room you can get along with who are accountable, who will stand up after losses. He's not one of them. I've been you know, disappointed with his play and just sort of his professionalism. We got to get into that. You know, after in our next segment, we got to get into the locker room because you're one of the few people who experienced it over in London and just I don't know that the fans have any real clue. I don't know if anybody in Jacksonville necessarily has gotten on the radio and and talked about how bad it's it's gotten. I mean, people get glimpses with the Jalen Ramsey stuff and you know him sparring with the media, but it goes way, way, way beyond Jalen Ramsey, well beyond unprofessional. And people need to know. I don't, did you write? You haven't written about it, correct? No, not really. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I think talking about it, I think it, I think it needs to be out there. I think it needs to be talked about. It's embarrassing. It's it's absolutely embarrassing, and it goes and it should go straight to the top. It should be it should be the PR staffs embarrassed, the head coach is embarrassed, the general manager Tom Coughlin and Shad Khan. They all should be embarrassed with with the what their players are doing in the locker room, how they're representing the Jacksonville Jaguars toward the media. Even though the fans don't see that and the fans might not care, it's still a reflection of who you are and, and who you're representing. We'll get to that more after the break. You're listening to the Teal and Black Blitz with Mark Long and Phil Heilman right here on 930 The Game and 930thegame.com. 
The Teal and Black Blitz with Mark Long and Phil Heilman. Right here on 930 The Game and 930thegame.com. I'll tell you what I told the players today. You know, there's a story out there right now about this team. It's an ugly story, okay? It's, uh, it's, but the story hasn't ended. You know, we can still control, you know, how the story reads. When we get away, we've got to think long and hard about it. We've got to come back and we've got to figure out, you know, what the story is going to be, you know, on, on the 2018 team. That's Jaguars coach Doug Marone on Monday speaking about his team amid a four-game losing streak heading into the week nine bye. What is your 10-second story on this team this year? What would it be? Abject disaster. <laughs> I mean, uh it's a train wreck on a. It's a dumpster fire on top of a train wreck. As I've, I've you love ex- that. Line. I do love it, and I and I'm going to stick with it because until they prove me otherwise, that's that's exactly what it is. There is not one single person on this team who has performed better than they did than he did in 2017 or outperformed the expectations of said player. Not one single. Person. I would disagree with that. I would Who? say, T- give me, give me one. TJ Yeldon has played better than he did in 2017, just mostly just because, because of, of opportunity. Yeah. But I mean, that's, I think he has played better. <sighs> he's not getting himself like he's not, he hasn't locked in some four year, $30 million deal. No, I mean, he's playing better, but they still went out and traded for a running back. <laughs> so it's not like they're in love with him. Not, not like they like what he's playing. single but, person has, yeah. is playing better. Than they than he did in 2017. Yeah, and they're all worse yeah. across the board. Linebackers, Norwell, Parnell. I, you know, you could, I could probably you could sell me that Parnell's better than he was in in uh, 2017, and and maybe even can, but it's still not good enough. Yeah, I actually didn't think Parnell was playing that poorly. I don't think he played you know especially bad uh, during the game on Sunday. What I have a problem with is, you know, just for me personally, I know nobody cares about media stories, but when you're trying to do your job, you're talking to, I'm talking to, you know, right guard, AJ can just minutes before Doug Marone had said, you know, we'd asked him, you know, why, why move away from the running game? You had second and one, third and one, fourth and one, second and two, third and two, fourth and two, all in the final drive. The Jaguars ran it zero times. Bortles scrambled once, but it was, it was six pass plays. You just acquired Carlos Hyde. He carries it six times for 11 yards. Why, why go away from the run? I think it was like 39 of the last 41 plays were pass plays. And he says, well, you have to have confidence in the guys up front to do that. Basically, a staggering statement that they felt like they had a better opportunity to move the ball through the air with Blake Bortles than they did with their running game. That they had no confidence in the offensive line. Right. And so, talking to A.J. Cannon, and then all of a sudden, Parnell is you know, a few lockers over and starts you know, cussing and swearing and saying, you know, stop asking questions like that. Norwell is glaring and being, you know, just a jerk in general. He does a lot of glaring. Yeah. That's he, kind of his role. For, Sit in the locker room and glare. For a guy who, you know, had, I don't know, I just, for a guy who had such a big contract, he immediately just seemed so unhappy here. But let's, we got a call. Let's, uh, let's go to the lines here. Pat, who uh, disagrees with me. Pat, you're on live. What's up, man? Well, Pat, I agree with 98% of what you're saying, except for you're missing one guy. And that's Josh Lambos. The dude's perfect. Oh yeah, <laughs> but he was pretty good last You're year right. too. Only missed You're right. Good one point. Night. Yeah, Josh I mean, Lambeau is is better than he was in 2017. You're right. He's well outperformed expectations. Now the other side of the story, I agree with you 100. percent It's an embarrassment to the city, embarrassment to the team, embarrassment to the owners. The whole deal. I mean, 
this uh, uh, deal in London, what an embarrassment to Shad Khan. I, I don't care if it was a non-curfew night. You know, you're supposed to be over there on a business trip. Uh, you know, some of this stuff that's coming out of the locker room. I'm personal friends with a player. I'm, I'm not going to tell you which one, but I do a lot of business with him, and I'm personal friends with him, and I know some things that go on behind the scenes, and it's, it's terrible. I can't believe the Tom Coughlin that of old is allowing the things to happen that are happening. Shock. Yeah, you know, we don't really get to thanks for the call, Pat. We don't we don't get to talk to Tom Coughlin much, so you don't really get to hear about, you know, sort of what his take on all of this is, but uh, you know, certainly disappointing. And we didn't even get into the the London issue here in that uh what did you make of that? What you've covered the league for a long time. What did you make of guys going out on a Friday night? Things get a little out of hand. I didn't think that it was shocking. I know guys tend to do at Sunday games they go out on Fridays. Um to me, not a huge deal in terms of them being out, but then when it gets to the point where you don't want to foot the bill or whatever happened, the craziness, what did you make of that? Yeah, I mean, poor decisions on top of poor decisions on top of poor decisions. First off, you don't, why well, go out? I mean, I get it. You're in London, it's a road game, you're away, you got some rookies who haven't done it, you know, been there, done that, but you just put yourself in such a horrible spot. Because, you know, you're three and four, you'd lost three in a row, you go out there, you know, and I don't, here's the other thing. I don't necessarily know that I believe that it was a no curfew night. Some of the things I've heard uh, say otherwise, Mm -hmm. that there was a curfew and that these guys blew the curfew. So, you know, so until I see that on paper somewhere, uh, a, a copy that's, from before the Jags went to London, when I see a copy that says no curfew, blah 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 blah, that's then I'll then maybe I'll believe it. But right now, from everything I'm hearing, uh, it was it was uh, there was a curfew. The the Eagles had an 11 p.m. curfew, so I don't I just don't get why you would go over there and say okay we're gonna have practice and meetings the next day, but you're off Friday night, but there's no curfew. It doesn't make any sense. Should the Jaguars have deactivated any of those guys? I think they would have had they been able to. Yeah. I just think because you're talking about an entire, most of your your uh, your defensive secondary, secondary yeah, yeah, that it's just impossible to, uh, to 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 sit those guys, you know. And you just you had no idea, you know, what you've got. I mean, DJ Hayden was a guy. I mean, he was in. He was going to be inactive anyway. Yeah. So, so it really I just think it's Harrison. hard. Jared Wilson, Harrison Wilson and and Church. And Church. So you had and to play the, Cody Davis. We were so close to it's an outdoor press box. You're already sitting with the fans. We were so close to my dream of Doug Marone turning and pointing to me and saying, "Come on, young man. We need you to play cornerback. <laughs> we need you to play safety." Uh, yeah, I don't think you want any part of that. You think guys are yelling think, at? You yeah, I don't think they want any part of me on that team. Yeah, yeah, guys are yelling at you now. Wait till you get out there, and they, then they really start pointing the fingers at you. Yeah, just to finish up that original point, it's just. To me, I don't understand. When things are going poorly, it's a four-game losing streak. Your own coach is saying we don't have confidence in the offensive line. That's why we didn't run the ball. I don't understand how, as an offensive lineman, you can take such exception to that line of questioning that you flip your lid. It just Anybody who watches this team for 10 minutes realizes that the offensive line isn't playing well. To me, you've got to be mentally tougher than that. They look like a mentally weak team. They look like a mentally weak offensive line, and it's no surprise given how they interact with people just socially, that they can't figure out which direction to go on the field. Uh, mid-season report card, we talked about it. Uh, 
is there anybody on offense, any group on offense, Josh Lambeau aside, who gets anything other than a failing grade? Quarterback, no. receiver, running back, tight end, offensive line. Well, tight end, you haven't had Safarian Jenkins for a month now. You've got a few guys there who, I mean, and Blake Bell. And Greenwich made Dan a nice Greenwich. catch. Yeah, okay. He's he's oh, he's against okay, uh, I guess. Houston, I yeah. Yeah, I just I don't really think you're getting much there. I would give, I mean, that it's not really an F as much as it's just like an incomplete. You sign a guy who you thought was going to be your guy. Uh, you sign Niles Paul. They've both been out due to injury, but... Performance-wise, yeah, F. Offensive line, total F. Uh, you know, the offensive identity was a power run game. What the defense do the rest, the power run game has been absolutely non-existent. It's been uh, pathetic. That's an F. Receivers, you've gotten, you know, a couple of big plays out of Moncrief, a couple of big plays out of D.D. Westbrook. And to me, the second half, if I'm the Jaguars on offense, I'd be focused totally on getting D.D. Westbrook the ball more. See what you have in him. I think he's a future, you know, not he's not a number one guy, but maybe a number two on a good offense, maybe a number three. I'd be focused on that. Receivers, poor. Fournette's been out. Poor. Bortles have been benched. All <laughs> All Fs. I mean, it's just F, 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 F. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think the defense would be a much more of a gradable, a legitimate gradable side of the ball. Offense is just abject disaster. Definitely. Well, we'll get into the defense later on in the second hour. Coming up in next, we'll have Rhino Howland from the Denver Post. You are listening to the Teal and Black Blitz with Mark Long and Phil Heilman right here on 930 The Game and 930thegame.com. The Teal and Black Blitz with Mark Long and Phil Heilman right here on 930 The Game and 930thegame.com. Nice makes a move in the pocket for the end zone and it's intercepted by Jalen Ramsey. Jacksonville stands firm. Now we welcome in Ryan O'Halloran from the Denver Post. Ryan, we uh, had to get a clip from your old pal Jalen Ramsey to welcome you back to Jacksonville. I am so sick of his act at this point. <laughs> You're not alone. Uh, uh, just you can't go. You can't go through life being mad at the world. And but I think everybody, a lot of people in that locker room who thought their stuff didn't stink, is getting a cruel reality of the life in the NFL. And uh, it's tough to find excuses. Uh, tough to find reasons why it's going to get any better. It is. It's tough. I mean, you look at the offense. You've got. You know, maybe Fournette coming back, but aside from that, not really a, a lot to hang your hat on. You've got a defense that, you know, in the locker room after the game, there's guys watching videos sort of cracking up. Seemed like they had checked out a little bit. Ryan, you covered some pretty bad Jags teams while you were here. What's a sign that a team started to sort of check out? I'll give you one <laughs> example. When I covered the Redskins back, I think it was 06. They started a day to the end of the season count at 50. <laughs> 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 And uh, it was going nowhere. They couldn't wait to get to the finish line. You know, this Jaguar team at three and five is, you know, in the middle, just like a lot of teams this league. But, you know, I mean, the 12 team was terrible. The 13 team somehow won four games after starting 0 and 8. Gus should have won coach of the year for that thing. <laughs> um, but Bring back I Gus. Two years ago, two years ago when. Remember, you know, they, they, they won that miracle game in Chicago. They're two and three. Then they lost to Oakland, lost to Tennessee in a span of five days. That was the beginning of the end, and you're just crawling to, you're just crawling to the end before covering a coaching search. So that was pretty miserable. But, but really, people don't believe this until I tell them. Last year was miserable to cover this team. And they went to the AFC title game for reasons that you guys were explaining uh, in the last segment. Um, it's just, it, it, it was not a great culture. 
you know, you know, you go back to Jalen. We rip on Jalen a little bit more, but uh, the my biggest thing with him is he's just uh, is two faced. He, you know, he, he's in their locker room with us. He's after the game, being snarky. Doesn't want to answer questions. Gives us one more answer, and then this week it's like he's on the the Jalen Ramsey celebrity tour. He did the Dan Dan Patrick. He did CBS Radio. He did the Jim Rome Show. He did Yahoo something with Yahoo, and it's like the guys out there. Well, by the way. By the way, the Yahoo segment, that was an Algonquin round table. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just but, like, um, who are you? You're 3-5, you're and five, the defense isn't playing well, and you're out there acting like it's you know it's all good. I heard him on the radio today talking about winning eight in a row. Come on. Yeah. Well, that's just ridiculous. But he should be, you should take the cue, if you're a player, if you're a young player trying to build your brand, you should take the cue of a Calais Campbell or a Malik Jackson. Is yeah, you can be great at a national level, but you also you got to take care of your local guys too, and that's what Peyton Manning was famous for. I mean, he's revered here by the local media for the relationship he had with the Denver reporters, and obviously he's doing all ton, tons of commercials. But you know, you got to win games, and then you got to act like an adult to help you build your brand to get the endorsements you want to get. Let's get into a couple of football questions. Uh, your current team that you're covering, the Broncos, as well as this team, the Jags, uh, both made trades. Yesterday before the deadline, uh, Dante Fowler going to the Rams from Jacksonville. Demarius Thomas going to uh, AFC South rival Houston from the Broncos. Uh, let's start with the Demarius Thomas trade. What is that sort of a, the state of the Broncos here that, you know, they're sellers now? Usually don't hear that. Usually aren't used to, you know, sort of talking about Denver as a seller. But what did you make of that trade? And what does Demarius Thomas at this point in his career bring to the Texans? Yeah, good question is, with, with the Broncos, I think trade in DT, it, it represents what I think is a sea change around the league that you see in baseball, you definitely see in basketball, and that's the trading of expiring contracts or guys that you know are not going to be in your plan the following year. So you might as well, uh, might as well deal them, get something for them. Um, the, the Broncos, we're going to cut Thomas after this year if he didn't retire. They would have not, they would have gotten nothing back had he signed with another team. So, you know, they got a fourth-round pick. They took advantage of the Texans losing Will Fuller last week with an ACL. And they want to see Cortland Sutton, a second-round pick uh, from SNU, who's flashed a little bit. They, uh, they want to give him an opportunity over these last eight games. So I think it's a thing where the, it, it was a seller's mindset but not a white-flag mindset for the Broncos. You know, they have Houston this week, which is totally ironic. So if they win this week, they're 4-5 and five going into the bye. You know, it's still alive, but they're – they're average to bowl average, probably just like uh, the Jaguars and other teams. But you, know, you ask about if, if you ask about the Fowler deal, I thought it was, thought it was a masterstroke by by uh, Dave Caldwell, who's the one who makes these trades. They weren't going to get a third round compensatory pick for Dante Fowler, even if he signed for big money, because this team is going to may still add some free agents, so they couldn't count on another team overpaying Fowler. So they called the Rams and had the Rams overpay for him for a half a season. So. To get a, a two picks like that uh, was um, should be considered a win for the Jags. Better Caldwell j- trade uh, Blaine Gabbert for a sixth round pick with the uh, San Francisco 49ers or this one with uh, Dante Culpe- or Dante uh, well, uh, Dante Culpepper. The, 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 the Gabbert trade is, 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 is you know still an all timer. <laughs> <laughs> Because if I remember right, they used that they used that extra six to move up to get Lender, right? I think captain. Um, so they they moved him up in that third round. El Capitan, 
<laughs> yeah, not another one of my favorites, but uh, but yeah, I mean, the you know the Jaguars and other teams find the value of adding these day two and three picks because if you're the Broncos right now, you have two fours. You can use those two fours to move up into the third, and you can end the second night of the draft with four players who could be immediate starters, which is what this team needs. So, um, what it does is give the Jaguars an extra extra chip to take or trade because let's face it, they're going to need an influx of talent this offseason. What do they do at quarterback, Ryan? What are the Jags? What should the Jags do? Well, um, you know, should do is. To me, I would just ride out the last half of the season with Bortles because I don't think uh, the other two guys are any kind of upgrade. Um, and then after, once you get to once you get back from Houston after that last game, regardless of your record, you go back to the drawing board. And say, okay, where are you picking? Um, are there any options to trade for that current backups that you may want to uh, acquire? And then you look at the draft. Um, I don't think the Jaguars would be inclined to maybe trade a lot of picks to move up from 12 to 2. But, um, you know, I think they go back to the drawing board after this because even when they were winning last year, you, we, we talked about this and we wrote about this, they're not going to have the same kind of health again, ever. You know, everything went right in that regard once they lost Allen Robinson. You know, Blake is a guy who plays well when he has a lead and can hand it off and can throw short passes and can scramble. Uh, but when you're working on your third left tackle, your you know fifth tight end, fourth tight end, and uh, you know backup running backs, uh, you know that's not a that's not a deck that they can play well. Hey, Ryan, how different is just sort of the organizational philosophy in Denver versus Jacksonville? I saw Elway, John Elway, out in front of the media yesterday explaining the Demarius Thomas trade in Jacksonville. We haven't heard much or anything from Tom Coughlin this year amid you know a, a sea of different things. What what do you make of that? Well, I think it's, it's, you know, a GM has to support their head coach. They're the one that hired them. And I think John was smart, and, and we got a heads-up on Sunday in Kansas City saying, hey, if they make a trade on Tuesday, be ready to come to the facility on short notice. So, you know, most everybody was ready. So, and, you know, and also Elway knew that, hey, you're going to talk about DT, but you're going to be asked about the state of the team as well. So, what it did is it made Vance Joseph's press conference today about what do you tell the team about the trade? How ready is Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders? How do you move forward from this? Not about the mechanics, not about giving up on the season. So it, I think Doug Marone is the head coach. He signed up for some of this, but I think there should be a voice above the head coach in this organization, in that organization that says, hey, these are the, these are, this is why we made these moves. This is how I feel about my team going forward, and this is why I think we could turn it around. Dave right. Caldwell used to be that guy. Used to be that guy. We're talk- um, talked often. <laughs> We're talking with Ryan Ryan O'Allen of the Denver Post. Sorry there, Ryan. Uh, if you could put your finger on, I know it's a bunch of things that went wrong here. Is there one thing that went wrong and everything dominoed from there? Well, it's, I mean, they took a lot of chances in the offseason. And I'll admit, I picked this team to go Super Bowl because I, I thought they would be able to handle the adversity and handle people taking their best shots at them. But a couple things is that third day of the draft, we're sitting in that room saying, okay, this is, the, this is when they're going to draft a running back. Okay, the next round, this is when they're going to draft a running back. 
to, to decide that they're going to count on Leonard Fournette being healthy and T.J. Yeldon being healthy was a severe miscalculation because they've never done it. Leonard did it, what, one year at LSU? T.J. had been banged up his entire time here. Also, free agency. The decision to let Allen Robinson go, I thought, was a mistake. And I told him, I wrote that, even if you did tag him. Uh, then you panic and sign Marquise Lee, who then got hurt. So, you know, you can't get by in this league with subpar, you know, a bunch of different guys at receivers. They're counting on Keelan Cole to take a step forward. That hasn't happened. They're counting on Andrew Norwell to be the final piece. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> um, so, so it's, you know, and on defense, they, you know, they have not uh, created the kind of turnovers and sacks. You know, 19 sacks are on pace for 38. Would they have like 52 last year? So 55. 55. So when you, when this team was built to get a lead, rush the passer, run the ball, and create turnovers. Last that recipe one, has not developed. Last one before we let you go, Ryan. What, which is more likely, the Jags are drafted in the top 10 or they make the playoffs? Um, probably a top 10. Cause I think this, this, and I still think they're going to win some games because, you know, they have, they do have a lot of guys on that team with a lot of pride and you know, maybe they can will them to a win, but let's, but even if you, even if they finish six and 10, they still may be in the top 10. So, uh, you know, I don't see a reason why they can get hot like they did last year. Cause I just don't think they have enough bodies healthy to put together the kind of run. And the fact they've lost two division home games is a killer. Uh, you're playing uphill. You basically have to sweep your division schedule now to even get a wild card, and uh, that's going to be trouble. He's the Denver Post, Ryan O'Haller, and great stuff as always, Ryan. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks, Ryan. Okay, fellas. So take one. You are listening to the Teal and Black Blitz with Mark Long and Phil Heilman right here on 930 The Game and 930thegame.com. The Teal and Black Blitz with Mark Long and Phil Heilman right here on 930 The Game and 930thegame.com. Good stuff as always from our pal Ryan O'Halloran from the Denver Post, former Florida Times Union Jaguars beat writer. Uh, so oof, I think Ryan laid it out pretty well as we have been as well. Uh, tough times for the Jaguars right now. Uh, but let's get into the rest of the AFC South in a little segment we like to call the AFC South Stock Exchange. It's time to ring the bell and open up the AFC South Stock Exchange here on the Teal and Black Blitz. Mark and Phil are about to buy and sell shares of AFC South Stock at such a strong level, Gordon Gecko would be in awe. Let's ring the bell and open up the floor on the AFC South Stock Exchange on the Teal and Black Blitz. All right, I'm going to go ahead and just... I'll admit, maybe I was wrong about the Colts. I've been killing you all year long <laughs> for about being wrong about them and being high on them and keep saying they're alive. Like Michael Myers, maybe they're still alive. Uh, they, listen, they they beat Bol- they beat Buffalo and Oakland. Oakland. <laughs> not so exactly, uh... let's not uh, let's not go nuts here. But with that said, Andrew Luck hasn't been sacked in in three games. I think he hasn't been sacked in a month. And uh, they found a running back with Marlon Mack. They're getting healthy at receiver with T.Y. Hilton back, Jack Dole at tight end. They find these tight ends out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, offensively, they can score points. They can score with anybody. And then defensively, as, as I've said, ad nauseum, they threw out a bunch of young guys, and they're growing with them. And the defense is getting a little bit better week after week. Yeah, you touched on it. The thing that's most impressive to me, Andrew Luck 
has been sacked one time since week four. New England got him once. The Jets didn't get him. Buffalo didn't get him. Oakland didn't get him. And those are, you know, I mean, Khalil Mack's not on Oakland, but those are still some pretty good, formidable fronts. The Jets, New England's got, uh, is it fly, not, uh, Flowers? Not Flowers. Yeah. So Flowers. there's there's guys out there on that schedule who are unbelievable in, in terms of getting to the quarterback. And Andrew Luck didn't get, you know, didn't get sacked. And, and really, honestly, I've watched I watched one of those games. They didn't get hit a lot. So, I mean, when when he's got time and he's not running for his life back there, they are a team that is a dangerous team. All right, so give me your one through four right now. Who, uh, How do you have the AFC South at the midway point for I, the Jets? You know what it is? It's Houston, one, Indy, two, and then garbage cans be on below them. <laughs> I mean, it might as well be. I mean, that's who you – Jacksonville, Tennessee, I don't know. Flip a coin, they're both awful. They both have quarterback issues. They both have. They both neither can run the ball. Uh, they're both pr- decent enough defensively that they'll give you. A, they'll keep the game close. But uh, to me, it's hands down Houston right now. Uh, Indianapolis two and closing the gap, I think. And then uh, the other two, pick or choose, whatever you want. Yeah, I don't know if Indianapolis is really closing the gap on Houston. I think they've certainly passed the other teams, but Houston's won five straight games. I mean, they just handed it. But they Miami also could have been. They night. also could have been zero and six to uh, start. I mean, they won two games in overtime. They won one. They were gifted a game at Buffalo. They beat uh, the Jags fairly convincingly. They, they did. Just, they just housed they Miami on Thursday. Well, and night. they beat. So they beat five uh, touchdown passes for Deshaun Watson. The defense has been pretty good. They beat an awful quarterback in Blake in uh, Blake Bortles, and they beat a backup quarterback in Brock Osweiler. So I'm not quite ready to to you know hand them the division title. But I'm just saying that, uh, that they certainly look good. And when you look at the schedule... We're going to find out about them over the next yeah, couple of weeks. Yeah, we're going to find out. They, they, they're they at Denver, at Washington, before they get a three-game home streak, home stretch where they play. They host Tennessee, Cleveland, and Indy. But if they don't win these next two games or split those, Indy absolutely could close the gap because Indy's on a bye this week, and then Indy's got three in a row at home. Where they're playing, uh, hosting Jacksonville, as we all know, Tennessee and Miami, and then they play at Jacksonville. So it's really Indy's got four unbelievably winnable games coming up. Yeah, I'll be really interested to see what the Texans can do. You've got at Denver on Sunday, but they played Thursday night, so you had ten days. Then they're at Washington, but you have the bye week in between, so you've got two pretty tough road games, but a it's lot a- of time to plan, a lot of time to prepare. That, those are two situations you want if you're going into tough places to play, which Denver and Washington certainly are. And you didn't. nobody knew how tough Washington would be before the season. I don't think people in Washington expected what, what they're, they're doing up there right now. But, uh, yeah, you're right. When you look at that schedule and then it gets a little bit – Denver's not, Denver's not probably as tough as you thought. Washington's much more tougher than you thought. But given the fact that you got 10 days for one, two weeks for the other, wow, that makes a huge difference. To me, if you split those games and you're Houston and you're six and four, and you've got a three-game homestand against Tennessee, Cleveland, and Indy, even if you just split those games, you think you're probably gonna, you've got a very good chance of sweeping the next three. That's that's nine and four. I don't know that anybody else in the division is getting to nine wins. I would, if you made me pick one, I would say Indianapolis is probably the most likely team to get there. They got a chance. They've yeah. got a chance, but you know, and then they're at the Jets, who and, aren't very good. So it's, well, and they got I mean, a chance because Jacksonville and Tennessee are so bad. Right. That's the other thing. Houston. Uh, I mean, there's a path where 
Houston could get to 11 wins fairly easily, not even playing that well. They might not even be that good of a team, and they could get to 11-5 and five just because of the five-game winning streak they've already had, the three straight at home, and then you've got at the Jets, at Philly, and home for Jacksonville to end the season. There's not a, there's not really a tough game left on that schedule once you get past uh, at Washington, in, in my opinion. That is the beauty of the NFL, is that when you finish at last... Philly, I guess, is hard. When you but. finish last in your division, or third in your division, you play a third-place schedule. You play a fourth-place schedule, and people don't really necessarily think about that they uh, don't really look into that but what it meant for the Jags was you played that that you played uh, Kansas City and you're going to play Pittsburgh right the two division winners so from those two divisions and uh, so because you were playing everybody in the AFC East regardless so you know it's a big difference playing Kansas City instead of Oakland it's a big difference playing uh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh instead of Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah. So those kind of that's a that's a two game swing sometimes for some of these teams, which is why people always say it's a, the league set up to go you know eight and eight, seven and nine, nine and seven, one of those things. But uh, here's the other thing I found interesting: Houston has a three game stretch at home. Indy's got a three game stretch at home. Jacksonville already had a three game stretch from home for home. So I just wonder if. Uh, you know, if more teams, I didn't think that would seem to be pretty rare in the NFL these days, but uh, three of the four teams in the division have three-game stretches at home. Yeah, Tennessee didn't have a stretch of three at home, but what they do have is four of their last five at home. Whoa. They're that's home the for trade-off, the, yeah. They're home for the Jets, home for Jags, at the Giants, a team that's probably going to have the top overall pick unless they just fall their way into a couple of wins, then home for Washington, home for Indianapolis. So that's a team that could make some hay late in the season. I think it's going to be a heck of a race. You know, not necessarily for... The one or two seed, but I think, you know, it would not shock me if, you know, going into week 15, week 16, week 17, there's three teams that could possibly still win this division. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know that the Jags are one of them, but... Uh, <laughs> I would not pick the Jags uh, to be one of them. But it's interesting. I, we, we talked about this before, and Ryan kind of touched on it in terms of, of where the Jags could be picking. Because, I mean, at this point, you start looking forward to that. But uh, to me... The Jags, they're one of their problems in their franchise is they've never been good enough to win it all or get to the Super Bowl, and they've never been bad enough to get the first overall pick. That he Ryan touched on it, 2013. That was an basically an expansion team. It was the essentially an expansion team. They managed to win four games and screw themselves out of having the first pick in the following year in 2014, which they would have messed up anyway. But. Uh, you know, and it's going to be the same thing this year. They just got too many teams above them, and they're just—they've already won too many games. Big second hour coming up. We've got our games, America's favorite game show. We've got some trick or treating to do, and uh, a little bit more Jags report card. So stick around. Big, uh, big second half. You are listening to the Teal and Black Blitz with Mark Long and Phil Heilman, right here on nine thirty the game and nine thirty the game dot com. Stick around. We'll have more just after the break. It's go time, Jags fans. The Teal and Black Blitz is on the air with Mark Long of the Associated Press and Phil Heilman of the Florida Times Union. Mark and Phil are about to dive headfirst into the huddle and take you deeper inside the Jags locker room than any other show in Duval. You can be part of the show by calling 448-0930. That's 448-0930. Or by hitting the guys up on Twitter at APMarkLong and at Philip underscore Heilman. And now, here are your hosts of the Teal and Black Blitz, Mark Long and Phil Heilman on the game. 
Welcome to hour number two of the Teal and Black Blitz. Halfway home. Maybe some... Still, you probably... You've got a long drive back to uh, the Sticks in Gainesville. Gino. There probably won't be any uh, trick-or-treaters still Should out. I but stop on the way home? Yeah, maybe... Uh, <laughs> Stop for some candy. I think, uh, you know, 8.30 or so by the time I get home. Maybe a few stragglers. There'll be, be stragglers, yeah. Few, probably the, that's when, like, the older kids oh, start yeah. to come they, out. Yeah, the, the ones who, who just threw together, put the sheet on. They have they have no real costume. Last year was the first. I bought a house July of 2017. Uh, is that right, July 2017? Yeah, about the time Dante Fowler was getting arrested for beating up a man. Uh, and Do not disparage <laughs> Dante Fowler. So last Halloween was the first time I was a homeowner, and I was sort of shocked at a couple of uh, older kids coming and insulting the candy that I had to offer them. Ooh, they did you did you stopped. have like the did you have like the Smarties? Like, yeah, little, no, like the little snack packs of like Skittles or something. They they, yeah. they felt like they wanted the full bag. I was like, they like Baby, you know what? I just is? had to put a <laughs> I just had to put a down payment down. Kids kids are spoiled. They want the full size candy bars now. They want the full size candy kids. bars. They're spoiled. They don't want the little snack ones. They want the full size, like a full Snickers. And here's the other thing I've learned: two things. First, one of the one of the first years I ran I ran out of candy, and even when you run out of candy, they don't understand that if the lights are off and the windows are shut, the blinds are closed. They don't understand that that means go away. <laughs> They're still ringing the doorbell. They're no just doing So one year we had a bus, a school bus pulled up and what? and dropped off kids near in our neighborhood. And so we've got all these I mean we had literally an extra 50 60 kids had no no planning for that. So we ran out of candy. And then uh another year we did the whole we had a we had a baby. Our youngest was little and uh so we did the whole just put the candy out by the front door with the sign take 2 please take 2 with the light on. We don't want the doorbell rung because the baby's sleeping this and the other first time parents and uh of course, the candy was gone in like yeah, like the first two kids five minutes. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, the, the the kid with the sleeping bag, I'm um, not the sleeping bag. The kid with the pillowcase rolls in and just dumps the the entire <laughs> the entire bag into his pillowcase and uh, calls it a night. And so then you're sitting there with the you know with the lights on and zero candy. And that, my friends, is why America is obese. <laughs> <laughs> but they love their games. But they America love their games. loves games. And this game, particularly. <laughs> the test is on the table. It's time to bust out those number two pencils and fill in the blank on the Teal and Black Blitz. We ask Howlman a question. He has to fill in the blank and then tell us why. It's time for Fill in the Blank here on Jacksonville Sports Leader. Number one. Halloween-themed fill in the blanks. Are you ready? Spooky season. Blank would be an appropriate costume for Tom Coughlin to wear this Halloween. Scarecrow. He's a scarecrow because what is a scarecrow there for? It's to, you put it up, it's supposed to be scary. It's supposed to get people doing the right things. It's supposed to get, you know, keep bad things from happening. And what is it? It's full of hay. It's fake. It does nothing in the end. It has no heart. It has no anything. It's just an abject nothingness. It is just a complete joke. The curtain has been pulled. <laughs> joke. Scarecrow. God. Number two. Sticking on that line. Blank would be the most appropriate costume. For Blake Bortles 
to wear this Halloween? Uh, I'd probably go as a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> the Jags certainly would like for him to, <laughs> for him to disappear. Uh, no, I think when you're... <laughs> Oh, man. It's been a, a rough season. A ghost. God. What's wrong with the that's, ghost? That's Leonard Fournette. Well, he's been completely missing, but... <laughs> he's actually the invisible man. <laughs> a sheet over Blake Bortles' head seems appropriate right now. <laughs> Number three. Oh, this is good stuff. I'm going to go one more. I got, I'm going to just hammer this thing home. Uh, Blake would be... The most appropriate Halloween costume for Doug Marone right now. Oof, that's a tough one. Um, I think I would go with, uh, you know, maybe some sort of superhero costume, maybe like a Batman or a Spider-Man or something, because I think what the Jaguars are asking him to do and leading a successful team with how they've hamstrung him, it would require, a, you know, a superhero effort. It was a roster that I didn't think was constructed very well. Very well. Uh, you go with... Only three running backs, two of them who've been injury prone to change of pace back. Only three tight ends. Uh, you know, the offensive identity that they wanted Doug Marone's team to have, they didn't build it that way. And uh, you know, I think with the injuries, the poor performance by Blake Bortles, all this, the head coach is going to be the one who catches the flack. He said it. He has to own it. It starts with him. But with everything that's gone wrong, some of his control, some out of his control. I think it would take a superhuman or super uh, super hero type effort to get this team back to the playoffs number four phil you've been on this earth i think 24 years 26 26 there you go what blank is your favorite halloween costume for you to wear not the naughty nurse for other people to wear Ooh, the favorite my favorite halloween costume that i have actually ever worn uh i went as peter pan one year green tights and all <laughs> this is back when i was a single man the ladies loved it tighten uh, up Probably a little more revealing down below than necessary. Uh, the, the costume TMI. Cut, the costume was cut a little short. Uh, thanks, Mom. Uh, but <laughs> had the hat. I think uh, it was when I had first started being able to grow out a mustache. I don't even think Robin Hood or Peter Pan or any of those guys have mustaches, but I just was – this was back in high school. I felt cool about it. So <laughs> Peter Pan with a mustache. Uh, I like that one. Was it the football mustache? 11 guys on one side, 11 on the other? You never heard that? I've never little, heard of that space, before. A little space in the middle. Oh, really? No. <laughs> yeah. no I've it's called the football, to, football mustache. I've always been able to grow quite a mustache. Just right. the, the rest of the beard that never really uh, came in. Not quite a man yet. That's good stuff, by the way. Thank you. That's great. My turn. When it's winning time, only one man has the stones to face the rush and deliver every single time. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. It's time for Fourth and Long with Mark Long here on the Teal and Black Blitz. First down. I was thinking along the same lines as you, but... I hope you uh, you got a big challenge trying to make me cry. Yeah. Because uh, you made me I cry was, right there. I was crying. Uh, but my question was, if you were going to be a Halloween candy, which Halloween candy would Blake Bortles be right now? 
he would be the sweet tarts, the little roll of sweet tarts that nobody wants. It, it's nobody wants, not sweet tarts. That's not the way. It's, it's the Smarties. Smarties. That's I said. I called it right the first time. It, it's Smarties. He would be Smarties. Nobody wants you. Uh, you open up the bag and half of them fall out all over the place. There's no real way to eat them except throwing them all in your mouth. Uh, that's what Blake Bortles would be. And he would be the candy basically left at the bottom of the bag three days later. Second down. 40 years ago tonight was when Michael Myers came home. If this were a movie, which Jacksonville Jaguars player would be his first victim? It's Blake Bortles. It's 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 hard <laughs> not to. I mean, I want to stick. I'm gonna stick with Blake Bortles. There's a lot of guys I would want to be the first victim because I don't like them personally. But uh, it's got the first victim. If you're writing a Hollywood script for this team, would be Blake Bortles because I go back. I think that their big issue right now is go. Everything's trickled down from when they picked up Blake Bortles, the fifth-year option in Blake Bortles, and then signed him to a long-term deal. What they should have done is let Blake Bortles go and draft Deshaun Watson with the fourth overall pick in the 2017 draft. Then all of a sudden, you don't have Leonard, I don't want to play Fournette, who gets hurt That's all the time. That's who my choice would have been, because he can't run. And he would have gotten caught first. Leonard? Yeah, if this, if this were a movie... He, got a banged up hamstring is how is he going to be able to run away at least Blake can run just, we saw it he's been I'm running all over the place from, from if you're if you're if you want to make a crowd pleasing movie who's the guy you want to see go down first because that's how I always open a movie I go which one's which one's going to die first which guy do I think is going to die first and uh so in this scenario to appease the the patrons I'm 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 calling Blake Bortles third down if Doug Marone were a wizard or a witch or a Wiccan or whatever, <laughs> and he had the ability to, you know, change things a little bit, what would be the one thing on this team that he would snap his fingers and change? Quarterback. He would You're change. Killing Blake. He would change Come the on. quarterback. There's zero chance. He's already benched him twice. He benched him in the 2017 preseason. He benched him two weeks ago against Houston. Uh, nine days the first time. The uh, 18 hours the second time uh it would be the quarterback that is there's no question in my mind that that is where Doug Marone sees this thing went awry I don't think Doug Marone is ever going to be the guy who says I built the wrong kind of team to play in 2018 now everybody else should say that and people and do. do say that and he should think that way but he's not he thinks that he's got the right mindset and the right build for a team that can be successful in the NFL. He's wrong, but he thinks defense, football, uh, run the ball, pound the rock, this real physical, aggressive team. But I think if you gun to his head and said, you can change one person, who would it be? I think it's going to be his quarterback. Fourth down. This isn't really Halloween related, but it might be a scary answer. When did the Jaguars win again? Mm. Buffalo wins that Buffalo game week 13 week 12 week 12 I say they get Buffalo in week 12 only because Buffalo's quarterback situation is actually worse than Jacksonville's so to me that's a winnable game I don't think they win at Indy uh, I, I've looked at it and I, I just I See, the, the Colts are playing a little bit better. The Colts can can block some people. I don't think they're going to beat Pittsburgh. 
I we think that game's probably going to get flexed out of Sunday night football, which would be a nice dagger dagger to the Jags. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, to me, they got another month here before they see another win. Three weeks anyway. Well, the good thing for Jaguars fans is I'm looking at it right now. There's tickets to the Buffalo game starting for as low as five dollars. So. <laughs> <laughs> Skip that extra bag of candy that goes on sale tomorrow. Uh, go see the Jaguars play Buffalo. Five dollars and it'll be five degrees. Yeah, that's going to be a freezing cold game. I'm not looking forward to that one. So, good stuff as always uh, coming up. We've got report card for the defensive side of the ball. We went through FFF on offense. Defense <laughs> probably won't be as bad, although it hasn't been great. And then now uh, we'll find some positives about the defense. And a little more trick or treating. You were listening to the Teal and Black Blitz with Mark Long and Phil Heilman right here on 9:30 The Game and 9:30TheGame.com. Patrick Show weekday mornings at nine, right here on 9:30 The Game and 9:30TheGame.com. The Teal and Black Blitz with Mark Long and Phil Heilman right here on 930 The Game and 930thegame.com. Shout out to our guy Zach, man in the music, getting us feeling a little spooky tonight. Yeah, that was good. That's really good considering uh, we just did a little Halloween-themed action. Scarecrow, man. I'm telling you, Scarecrow, Tom Coughlin's a scarecrow. But... Uh, Whew. What, what a show. It, what's that from? Not sure. I really don't. Zach? What is what is this music from, Zach? This is the theme song from The Exorcist. Oh, oh okay. That makes sense. Haven't seen that one oh, in a yeah, while. Yeah, I was, yeah, I've seen it, oh, I've but seen not it. very many times. Not in a yeah. while, yeah. That was... Of all the movies that like have ever <laughs> been made, is that like the single like universally known as like the scariest? Like I feel like more if you were to pull a hundred people through Jacksonville and say, What's the scariest movie you've ever seen? It feels like that's the movie that would win. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I, I think that's uh I'm trying to think what would be one. I listen, we Night just watched a clip dead, of Poltergeist. Gone. When I was a kid and I watched Poltergeist, I had uh nightmares for weeks. So uh Poltergeist at the time to me was pretty scary. It's not so much scary anymore, but uh yeah, the Exorcist, um I always found the original it to be like really no terrifying. the clowns but i saw that when i was like that was probably like the first scary movie i ever saw yeah i dated a girl who had a real issue with that the clowns in the gutters and didn't didn't want to go near a gutter and she the didn't like the clowns the remake was good from last year it was, was it funny yeah well done well done indeed that's interesting i don't know what the what is considered uh one of the one of what like is considered Night of the the living s- dead scariest be- i don't think that's is uh, it you think uh, maybe i don't know i don't know, I don't know. we can look it up you know what's not been scary the jags defense that's good radio. Has not been scary. <laughs> that, my friend, is good radio. And you're right. No, it hasn't. Uh, a defense. It's interesting. I was going through we the thought numbers. thought it was going to be the scariest in the league, maybe even the scariest in, you know, since Denver or even Seattle, the Legion of Boom in 2013, Denver in 2015, and it has been far from it. Hardly scary. Uh, even their better players are, 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 you know, far from it. The interesting thing is if you just look at the rankings – from last year, this year, not really that different. Last year, first and pass defense, second in total defense. This year, first and pass defense, second in total defense. They're still second uh, in the league in total defense behind yeah, Baltimore. Yeah, but it's They're... the rushing yards, it's the sack no, total, I, I it's agree. the turnovers. Yeah. To me, it's there's two things. It's the takeaways slash sacks, which I think sort of the, they go the hand impact in hand. plays. Yeah, yeah. 
And then on third down, they've regressed. They've been giving up some really important key third down situations. Third and long. Going back to the, the Titans game where they picked up the third and five with a 12-yard pass that's had to go ahead field goal. Last week against Philadelphia, uh, third nine for or yeah, third nine from the six, and Alshon Jeffrey beats Jalen Ramsey for I believe eleven or twelve yards, and that kicks off their ninety-five yard scoring drive. Right. The the big thing is the takeaways. Thirty-three last year, second in the league to Baltimore. Uh, this year they have six, I believe it is, and one of those came on special teams in week one when they recovered the the punt fumble. Uh, the fumble, the botched punt, seven, excuse me, seven. Now. Seven, so the botched punt, the uh, Miles Jack pick six, uh, Gip, Gip has one, has an interception, Jalen now has one. Uh, Fowler had the strip sack. Fowler has a strip strip sack. They had the interception of Mahomes. Uh, so, but I mean, it's really not a lot there. You no, know, the fact that we can name them is, right. is, uh, and you're eight weeks in, that's, that's not, they're on pace uh, for 14 takeaways, which should be literally cutting it in half minus some. Right. I mean, it's, they're More on pace for half. fewer yeah. than half of what they had last year. And to me, that, that was the big thing that not just for the defense being like the scariest unit, but that's why the Jaguars were good because the offense you looked, I think they were like, what, like top 10, top, top 12 10, yeah, in top scoring 10, yeah. offense. But so many of those points came from the defense. And so many of those points came set from up by the defense, short fields sure. set up by the defense. And this year, you're just not getting that. They're not getting off the field as much on third down. I think they're 13th in the league now in third down uh, conversion percentage by opponents. Last year, they were fourth. It was from like 33% to 38%. So not a huge uh, you know, drop off, but certainly a noticeable one. And then with the takeaways, you're just the offense isn't getting as many short fields. The defense, I think, is getting put in a lot of bad situations because the offense can't move the ball. But overall, I mean, I what grade would you give them? Overall, I give the defense a C. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'd, I'd like to give them a B, but they're not doing the things that they're they've done. They're not doing the things they said they were going to do. They're not the team. They're not even close to the unit we thought they were. Mm-hmm. And and it's not one thing. It's a combination of things. But to me, and I'm not based on where. Based on where we thought they would be and who we thought they were, it's probably an F to be honest. But I'll I'll give them I'll grade them uh, against the rest of the league. And even though they're number two overall defense, I'm still giving them a C. And part of that is has to do with expectations. Yeah, I would, I would give them a C as well. Maybe maybe a C plus when you just factor in what how little the offense has done for them. But you mentioned even the the rush defense has been bad. The, for the past during this losing streak, Ezekiel Elliott was able to run for quite a bit, as well as Dak Prescott. Kareem Hunt was able to run for quite a bit. Lamar Miller ran for 100 yards in this team, and his three previous games hadn't broken 50 yards. And Josh Adams, a rookie who came in with 48 yards on the season, runs nine times for 61. A couple of really big runs on scoring drives. They just they're giving up big plays at the worst times, and they're giving up scoring drives at the wrong times. It's early in games against Kansas City and Dallas. It's you know. Shortly after the offense comes and does something against Philadelphia, they can't get that key stop in the fourth quarter. It's given up the scoring drive, you know, a field goal drive against uh, Tennessee in the fourth quarter of that week three game. It's just, it's been, they've been bad or not quite good enough at really bad times, at the wrong times. Give me your three most disappointing players on the defense side of the ball. Kelvin Smith, uh, A.J. Boye, and Barry Church. I think, uh, you know, I don't think Jalen has played great. I think his ceiling is so ginormously high that he's only been, I think, very good, and that's sort of a, a big drop-off there. But I thought Boye, before he had the calf injury, was just a really big disappointment. He was not playing anywhere near his Pro Bowl level, and the same goes for Telvin Smith. He misses a lot of tackles. It seems like he's out of position a lot. 
it seems like there's a lot of times where he's looking at other guys with his hands up, sort of saying, you know, what's going on. And Barry Church, it seems like every time there's a big play by an opponent, you go back and watch the film, he's taken the worst possible angle. He looks slow. He looks old. And my my thought is, you know, Ronnie Harrison certainly is their strong safety next year. Why not make him it now? They might. Uh, Doug, Doug Marone's making changes. During the bye week, we we know that we've seen a projected schedule change for for next week. They're going to switch things up, and I think it's probably rightfully so. You got the time, you got a little extra padding built in, and Doug Marone's clearly going to change the entire schedule. I think it comes down to comfortable, and he's talked about this before. Of, of you'd want this team to be uncomfortable. Well, what you do, you change their complete routine. You put these guys on notice that everything's changing, and to me. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they also change uh, some personnel. I don't know who, but maybe you mentioned Barry Church. That's a guy you could change there, and it might you might be able to improve. We'll get into a little bit more defense and a few other things on the other side of the break. You're listening to Teal and Black Blitz with Mark Long and Phil Heilman right here on 930 The Game and 930thegame.com. And Black Blitz with Mark Long and Phil Heilman right here on 930 The Game and 930thegame.com. Two more segments to go here on the Teal and Black Blitz. Another half an hour. We are with you on Halloween night. But first, Right now, we'll hear from Doug Marone. I think, you know, it's so, we're so, we got so much longer to go. I've been so wrong, like a lot of things, you know what I'm saying, about, you know, the prediction of, of our players' health. I know, you know, I think Tad told me before there's a report that, so, you know, a couple of these guys might play. I just hope those reports are right because that, that's news to me, you know what I'm saying? I won't know yet until, you know, we get later in the week and, um, I think you guys will have a good feel when you're out there and you see them running around practicing. You know what I'm saying? And I think you'll have a good feel whether they're ready to go or not. That's Jaguars coach Doug Marone talking about just some reports out that uh, running back Leonard Fournette will be back after the bye week against Indianapolis. Um, I guess it would be when he says guys, he probably means cornerback DJ Hayden as well, a guy who's missed the last six games with a toe injury. I mean, what do you what do you make of it? Is it to me? It's sort of staggering that those two guys have missed this much time with a hamstring. And I know hamstring injuries are difficult, but a hamstring and a toe injury. Yeah, I mean, I've heard about turf toe being a month, couple months type thing. Uh, this one seems egregious. <laughs> seems like it's the worst toe injury in the history of the of the world. Is the and, toe gone? That's my question. <laughs> do you still you have a toe? for a prosthetic toe? Yeah. Can we, can we amputate at some point and get you back on the field? And then Leonard Fournette with a hamstring. I mean, this is... As far as I'm, everything I'm told, this is not uh, Fred Taylor who had his groin pulled off the bone, and they kept having him questionable, uh, you know, every every game. And this is uh, a tip, a run of the mill hamstring. They thought he'd be back after two weeks, and then he takes two weeks off, and he re-injures it, and then they're talking about it being very similar to the first time, which was two weeks. That was. Four weeks ago, yeah. so you know he's gonna he's gonna have how he will have been off. Uh, what is it gonna be? Seven and a half weeks between. Well, he he came back for a half. He, he would have been yeah. a half. He would have played a half of football over an eight week span, I believe, when he comes back. And uh, that part is just is staggering to me. 
Was it a mistake that they didn't just put him on short-term IR or IR in general from the beginning? Probably when when you look at it now. But who would have? Who goes on a short-term IR with a hamstring pull? No one. That's not a. It's not a. You know, even under the in the Gus Bradley era, where hamstring pulls happened, seemed like every every other day, guys weren't going on IR with them. Too much sleep in the corners. <laughs> need need more Gretchen. Right. Yeah. It it really. I mean, it's just. And I think that's exactly why the Jags traded for Carlos Hyde when they did was they've they've lost confidence in him. I don't know how much is it's not complete confidence in him being their number one, but they certainly to some degree have lost confidence that he can be their lead back not only this season but moving forward. I mean, he's a guy who's never proven he can stay healthy. I'm surprised that his teammates haven't turned on him. Uh, similar to what we saw with the Pittsburgh Steelers, where there was a point where, it, and it happened fast, there was a point where they were very supportive of Le'Veon Bell, and then it got to a point where they're like, this is ridiculous. Where is this guy? He's letting us down. He's, you know, he's not doing his, pulling his part, this, that, and the other. We get it. It's a business, but at some point you got to get here. And I'm a little surprised that we haven't seen that from the Jags standpoint, that they haven't started pointing fingers on Leonard. I think it says a lot about what they think of Leonard in terms of, you know, he's a funny guy. He's a, he's a, they think he's a good guy. Uh, he's a good locker room guy, team captain, all that thing. They, they like him and they haven't turned on him. All right, let's do a little trick or treating. Little trick or treating. I like it. I like Tootsie Rolls. Is that your favorite candy? Yeah. Yeah, probably. M&M's, Tootsie Rolls. Yeah, a little classic. Skittles. I like Skittles. I like to mix M&M's and Skittles. You might be a serial killer. <laughs> no, it's... Only it's, serial it's a, killers like... Mixing that, it's the... M&M's it's the, and Skittles? M&M's and Skittles. You got the chocolate, the sweet from the chocolate, and then the the savory of the of the tartness of the, of the Skittle. This will tell me more about you. Are you a believer that all Skittles taste the same or that they all have their own individual flavor? Yeah. Uh, Completely all have their own individual flavor. All right. Trick or treat. Trick or treat. Three guys who have tricked us from the Jaguars. Three guys, if we can find them, who have (laughs) treated us from the Jaguars. Obviously, we mentioned Leonard Fournette. He's certainly somebody who has tricked us. Who's another guy? Who has tricked us this season from the Jacksonville Jaguars? Keelan Cole tops my list of uh, tricksters. This was a guy we thought was going to take a big step forward in year two. Undrafted guy out of Kentucky Wesleyan. And week after week after week, he has let down this offense. He has let down Blake Bortles. He's let down the receiving core. He's let down the coaching staff. And he's another guy. We were talking about bi-week changes. Uh, I put the top two on my list. Don't be surprised if Barry Church is benched. And don't be surprised if Keelan Cole is benched. Yeah, I mean, he has not been playing well. Just going back to the numbers, I mean, geez, two for 15 against the Jets, two for 21 against Houston, two for 18 against the Eagles with a fumble, with a killer fumble. Because at that point, the Jaguars were up 6-3. to three. They had the opportunity to extend their lead late in the second quarter. He fumbles. That leads to the Dallas Goddard 32-yard touchdown. The Jaguars find themselves down, never never lead again. Who's uh, who's next on your list? Any- yeah, I mean, I'm going to stay on the offensive side of the ball and uh... – I could actually stay in the same position group, but I'm going to switch it up, and I'm going to say Andrew Norwell, mostly because of what you paid the guy. I mean, you made him the. There was a point where he was one of the highest paid guards in. I think he was the highest paid guard in I think NFL he still history. Has the highest cap hit this. Yeah. Season okay. And so, to me, 
you know, Andrew Norwell, it has not been good. He had a couple good blocks against Houston. I saw him pick up a blitz where he literally blocked two guys, one with each arm, and and created a little space for for Blake Bortles to get rid of the ball. But uh, he has not been the missing piece for that offensive line. And given what you paid for him, he's been a huge trickster. A guy for me who I think has been, uh, I mentioned in the last segment, who's been a, a real trickster is Telvin Smith. I think he is tricking himself by how he's acted in terms of week after week saying we're going to get it right. He's been the leader of that brigade saying all oh, Head in the sand. Yeah. Blinders he's, on. He's completely tricked himself. He was laughing hysterically before the Kansas City Chiefs game, encouraging people to come find him after the game at his locker because he felt like you know, he would he was gonna give us all the secret to life after the secret to why things were so funny <laughs> why they, afterwards. Why they beat the hell out of the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs. Then they completely no show, <laughs> uh just get absolutely blitzed in the first half. Uh to me he's been a huge disappointment. Yeah, and, and to me, his last game was the worst game, and not not the worst game of the season, the worst game of his career. And I don't know if he's banged up. I don't know. He went out early in that game with that shoulder injury and then came back and played. So maybe there's something there uh, that it's worse than we, we think or worse than we know. But to me, Telvin Smith is the, 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 the epitome of why that defense is struggling at times. He's the guy out of position. He's the guy out of gaps. He's the guy trying to make the big play instead of making the solid play. And everybody in the city wanted to run Paul Pozuzny off. Eh, Paul Pozuzny, he's slow. He doesn't help. He's this. He's that. Paul Pozuzny is a big reason why they're in the position they're in because defensively they took a huge step back with Paul Pozuzny off the field. Miles Jack hasn't been very good. Telvin Smith hasn't hasn't been nearly as even as good as Miles Jack. Uh, so to me, both of those guys are one and one A. Well, actually two and two A behind Barry Church on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, my last one sticking on that side of the ball, who I think has tricked us so far. I don't want to go too heavy because he was a rookie, but you sort of have to wonder what exactly were they seeing in Taven Bryan. He doesn't look like he's he looks like he's playing out of position. He looks like a guy who should be playing three technique, which is Malik Jackson's position, who they're trying to shoehorn into the big end spot behind Clayus Campbell to sort of take you know, the idea was that Taven Brown would be able to step in, Clayus Campbell could play fewer snaps, he'd be fresher, his he'd be more productive because of that. I've yet to see Taven Bryan really make a play. The my last scene memory of him is twirling around in a circle as Dak Prescott runs for another big gain on them. And that he looked you know, like the monster. Looked like he was doing the monster <laughs> mash. That's that what it was. He was, he doing, was doing the, the monster, monster mash, mash two weeks early. Oh man, maybe he's who maybe, knew? He's three thousand eighteen. We're still stuck in two thousand eighteen. <laughs> yeah, listen, Taven Bryan has not been good. It's 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 no secret. And I I can. You know, I go back. I had questions about Taven Bryan before the draft. I'd watched the guy for three years at the University of Florida, watched all of his games, and he he flashed for here and there, but more often than not, he was he was uh, totally missing. So uh, I questioned the pick at the time, and I'm still questioning it now. He's definitely out of position. He needs to be the three technique. But what they thought was Malik Jackson played so well last year. Calais Campbell was 31 years old, and they needed one more year out of Calais, and they'd slide Taven in at the big end, and they thought Malik would, would be a long-term solution at three technique. I'm not sure. Maybe they need to switch that up. Who knows? And Taven needs to get back to his normal position in the three technique. Quickly, who's been a treat? I mean, Josh Lambeau, we mentioned it with Pat, our caller, but uh, who else? 
I would have to say Parnell. I'm not a big Jeremy Parnell fan, but he's been better. He's the oldest guy on the team, 32 years old, actually older than than, uh, Calais, and he's been better than I expected. And I'll put A.J. Can right there next to him. Both of those two guys, better than I expected. I'm actually a little surprised they can't run the ball right behind them. Yeah, I'd say one guy who's been a treat for me to watch is Ronnie Harrison, a guy who I think... Uh, as we mentioned, could be the starting strong safety as early D-D as... D.D. Westbrook, too. I'll and put D.D. Westbrook, and then yeah. Josh. Big shout-out to Josh Lambeau. Josh Lambeau guy's yeah. been money. Just uh, broke the franchise record for consecutive makes. So uh, we'll get into all that in the last segment. You were listening to the Teal and Black Blitz with Mark Long and Phil Heilman right here on 930 The Game and 930thegame.com. The Teal and Black Blitz with Mark Long and Phil Heilman right here on 930 The Game and 930thegame.com. One more segment before we're out the door for our Halloween festivities, if there's any left for us. Maybe a couple of beers, a couple of pieces of candy. But first, let's go to KB on the line, talk a little Jags front office decisions. KB, how are you? Hey, I'm good, guys. Good to hear you guys. Uh, I was just calling in because I know uh, on the offseason, I was called the president of Blake Bortles Fan Club. <laughs> but, uh, because, how's that, you know, how's I, that I just, treating you? Well, you know, because I kept telling people, everybody fell in love with the narrative that if it's all Blake Bortles' fault, if we had a better quarterback, there was no other issues or there was no other problems with the team. And now it's coming to reality where you can't use that narrative anymore. It wasn't just Blake. You have to be honest where, look at, as far as look at the teams that just beat us, Philly and Houston, right? They had offensive struggles. What did they do to, re- to try to help the offense and the quarterback? They go get better receivers to say, let's help. And even the Cowboys did the same thing. What do we do here in Jacksonville? We go get over-the-hill running backs. We <laughs> trade for running backs we don't even use. We draft a guy in the first round that isn't even helping the team. You could have used a lineman. You could have used a top-tier receiver when you know the way the team is con- you know, constructed right now, it's not built with a big play receiver that will help your quarterback out. And I'm not saying Blake is the greatest, but I guarantee you this, anybody, if you've been around football enough, um, a marginal quarterback with a good to great receiver makes that marginal quarterback look even better because that's the biggest issues and the problems here as far as they got to match up talent with the best people. You know, just bring in better weapons with that matches what you have instead of just trying to blame Blake for everything. Hey, KB, let me ask you. So if you go back to February right now, do you still ink Bortles to that a contract extension, or would you have moved on from him? No, I, see, my thing was I, I would have gave him the contract, and what I would have did was just like what they're doing in Dallas and a lot of places, I would have said, you're getting this big contract, but before I put it all on you, I'm going to get better weapons around you to truly see what does Blake look like with better quality players as far as receivers, playmakers, and not to say that some of the guys on the roster can't grow into that, but right now, and I can tell you, I can give this to quarterbacks that you really can say it's something wrong with them, like a Matt Ryan in Atlanta. You got Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, and you guys are struggling, just like in Tampa. You got Jameis Winston with Deshaun and Evans, and you got O.J. Howard. You're struggling with those weapons. But I guarantee you, Blake will give that money back and say, give me that talent, and I can show you what kind of quarterback I can be. Very good. Thanks for the call, KB. We appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, you guys have a good one. KB is right there in, in, in some regards. There's no doubt that 
general manager Dave Caldwell and and Czar Tom Coughlin Czar. messed Scarecrow. up. Yeah, messed up here in in misevaluating what they had around Blake Bortles. They did not give Blake Bortles enough weapons, and I think. If and when we ever talk to Dave Caldwell again, I think he will admit that uh, he wish if he had it to do over again, he would have gotten more weapons, better weapons than what he he did. They were banking on a big year from Keelan Cole. Hasn't happened. They were banking on Austin Safarian Jenkins to be to at least be healthy. Hasn't happened. They were banking on Leonard Fournette. Hasn't happened. Uh, and then when you flip the you know you look down the road from that. DJ Chark in the second round has been very hit and miss, more miss than hit. Uh, Dante yeah, Moncrief, one step forward, one step back kind of guy. So yeah, far. and Don, you, you Dante Moncrief, it, Moncrief is not the big physical receiver they thought he was going to be. They're, they're almost their Allen Robinson to go up and get 50-50 balls to be a guy you know who's a, a beast down around the goal line and in the end zone. So all of those have, have really been whiffs. So you look at what you've got around Blake Bortles, and it's not good enough. I'll say this, though. You want a quarterback who, when things aren't going well around him, is able to elevate everyone else, put the team on his back, and do some superhero stuff. Uh, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady type things, but somewhere in between Blake Bortles and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, and the Jags don't have that right now. My one thing that I will say, I'll contend with the Matt Ryan hate. Matt Ryan's thrown 15 touchdowns and two interceptions this year. The, the Falcons aren't winning a ton, but I don't they're think they're moving had, the ball. They're just not. They're really they've had a lot of down. injuries on defense too, and then they're bogging down in the red zone and they're kicking a lot of field goals, uh, things like that. And then the, I think a big part of that is they don't have their their top rusher, similar to the Jags, who don't have Leonard Fournette. Yeah, they don't have Devonte Freeman, and that's on IR. Yeah, and they don't. Uh, so that that hurts you, and where that hurts you most is in the red zone where where everything gets tight and you have a little bit tougher time throwing throwing the ball up to Julio Jones and whatnot. Yeah, I go back to the draft more so than free agency because I wasn't a big Sammy Watkins guy. I didn't want to pay him a lot of money with his injury history. Uh, I did think that they should have tagged Allen Robinson or if that was the only way to keep him. But the draft to me is where you miss. You go and... Well, it was I, the most arrogant draft yeah. in franchise history. I can understand wanting to fortify the defensive line. It gives you options next year. But to me, so clearly today's NFL shows good tight ends are such different makers. Look what Rob Gronkowski's done. Look what Travis Kelsey's done. Look what Zach, Zach Ertz has Ertz, done. Yeah. And you had multiple tight ends. Good I mean, ones. Hayden Dallas, Hurst, Dallas Dave, Dallas the one that I, I that I would have taken. I liked him. Uh, I liked Mark Andrews, too, maybe a little bit later in the third or fourth round. Blocking but Dallas, tight end. Yeah, yeah but... Uh, that, he can make well, they should have. They got they got cocky and they cut Mercedes Lewis. There was no reason to cut Mercedes <laughs> Lewis. And I, you know, no, listen, know. you know, I'm a Mercedes guy, but there there was no reason. There was no reason that they could give to move on. If they would, I would say I would be okay with make that move if you had another blocking tight end in that room, a guy you wanted to go see what he could do or thrust him in the starting lineup or into that that role. They didn't have that guy. They didn't have that guy on the roster, and they didn't bring in that guy. Yeah, I mean, you look, you watch last week, Dallas Goddard looked like, I mean, what the Eagles are going to have later this year moving into next year, you've got Ertz and Goddard. I mean, it's like the, the Patriots with Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. Not exactly the same type of players, but there's two tight ends who can – you know, do so many things in, in the receiving game. And they got Goddard with the 49th pick. I mean, the Jags could have taken him in the first round. They could have traded up to get him. I just think even if you find, if you sign Safarian Jenkins, 
you've got to go get another guy. You've got to have, you know, having two good tight ends, pass catching tight ends would have been perfect for the offense that they wanted. You run the ball, you have two tight end sets. They can both block. They can both, you know, be receiving threats. I'm with KB. I, I'm not hammering Bortles as much as some people are. I don't think he's played well. I don't think anybody can, uh, with a straight face, argue that he has played well. And I certainly think that your point is well taken that, you know, good quarterbacks raise the talent around them and Bortles is not that sort of guy. But, you know, starting from March on, I think they signed him to the contract extension in February. And I think a lot of decisions they've made from March on have been poor. Yeah, and you look around the league, the other teams, they lose players, they lose offensive weapons, and the quarterback, you know, finds the next guy up. Yeah. Uh, Green Bay, I, I hate to use Green Bay because it's such a bad example because Aaron Rodgers is out of this world. But Geronimo Allison, uh, Valdez, Scanlon, I mean, these guys came came out of nowhere. Uh, you're able, you, you know, you're the Green Bay Packers and you're able to part ways with, with a guy like Jordy Nelson. You're able to part ways, you know, way back when with a guy like Donald Driver and you don't miss a beat. Uh, in New England's obviously another one, but even in Philadelphia last year, they had a ton of injuries and it was just, it was next man up and the quarterback play overcame all of that. The quarterback play in Jacksonville cannot overcome anything. Yeah. And that really is as simple as it gets. And I think it's going to be a tough second half of the year. You know, we've talked about it. We gave our, our grades. We gave the offense basically a full F. We gave the defense a C. I think the coaching, you know, as we said, probably a D. Special teams has been actually pretty good. It's been the one part of the ball, Josh Lambeau. Uh, Logan Cook hasn't been great. But, I mean, you said Buffalo. They have cost the- you games, the special teams. The offense has cost right. you games. The defense has cost you games. Special teams has not cost you games. But on the flip side, it hasn't won you a game. It hasn't gotten you in a game. For, for that for that so you know that's what you would like to see you would like to see uh special teams at some point win you a game so the Jags are three and five now before the year you had them as a 12, 13 and three 12 13 and four win. 13 I had 13 and three how, how what what are the end of the, what how four many and twelve they'll win one I think they're gonna win one Buffalo wow. I don't I don't have them beating I think Indians on the Indianapolis Colts are on the rise the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the decline and I don't see that switching maybe the bye week changes everything maybe they come back rejuvenated refreshed Leonard Fournette is healthy the offensive line gels a little bit they find something with these receivers but there's nothing that I have seen in the locker room on the field, on the practice field. Uh, there's nothing I've seen at this point to make me think that all of a sudden this thing is going to flip a switch and turn it turn around. Yeah, I'm not as pessimistic <laughs> as you are. I think that's pretty darn pessimistic. I think they'll split with Indy. Uh, I, don't, I don't think the Colts are good enough to sweep them. I mean, they, it possibly could happen. I think It's not about the Colts being good enough. It's about the Jags being bad I enough know, to lose The Colts have their own those series games. of problems. As we said, they've... They've beaten Buffalo and the Raiders, so let's not, you know, go crazy here and say that, you know, all of a sudden they're you know, this team that you know, has it all figured out. I think, you know, at Miami in Week 16, Miami looks like a team that could be checked. That could be a, a loser, just just the loser bowl where it's not. Yeah, gonna but who who's more checked out? Who's got a bigger opportunity to be checked out? The Jags. I mean, the, this, yeah, this is a team that's if it's Brock Osweiler versus, got a chance to check out. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think that it's going to be, you know, suddenly this big turnaround where they win, you know, five or six games in the second half. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I'm not as pessimistic, but I do think that there's uh, there's some problems for this team. Well, and I, th- I thought, I said it, I tweeted and got ripped for it that 
that it was the finger pointing and the all of that stuff was coming. And when it happens, it would be epic. We've seen it happen now, and it has been epic. We'll be back next week to preview the Indianapolis Colts game. The Jaguars go to Indianapolis. You are listening to Teal and Black Blitz with Mark Long and Phil Heilman right here on 930 The Game and 930thegame.com. WFA.